0: You're listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. For more information, please visit our website at everynationgta.org. What's up, Every Nation GTA family? It is such an honor to share with you this morning. It is just an incredible, blessing to be a part of the beautiful work that God is doing in the greater Toronto area. My wife, Kelly, and I have been really blessed to walk in relationship with the Thompsons for over 20 years, going all the way back to when we lived in Nashville, Tennessee. That was before we were married, and I believe it was long before Pastor Burt was actually the Jedi Master of Lawn Care that he is now. Uh, But we've been able to experience firsthand the heart that God has given Pastor Bert and Sheila to not just tend the lawn, but to tend and nurture and care for people, whether it's those that are far from God and, and are coming bloodied and bruised to church community, trying to figure out who God's called them to be and what he's called them to, or whether it's uh, church planters and pastors that have been in vocational ministry for years and are just desperate for someone to give a listening ear or an encouraging word and just remind them of the faithfulness of God. We have been recipients of their encouragement and their love, and I just got to tell you all, you are incredibly blessed to have Pastor Bert and Miss Sheila as your pastors, and I know they feel deeply blessed to have you and to pastor you as well, along with the incredible team that is there now I want to introduce you to my family this morning throw this picture up on the screen here's my beautiful wife Kelly we've been married for 17 years you will see my son the tall one he is 15 it's my son Isaiah then my son Aaron is that dapper man with the glasses followed by my son Judah who turned 10 yesterday so wishing him a happy birthday then is my son Johnny. He's, uh, we call him John Blonde Jovi. He's the blonde one. He's always a party. And then at the caboose is Ella Rose. She is sweet and spicy. We like to call her Spicy Mama. Now, not also, we'll get this other picture is my daughter Aria Joy. We were really blessed. Uh, as our third child to be blessed with Aria Joy. And she unfortunately passed away after six months, very unexpectedly. Um, but even though we had her for such a short time, she just forever changed us for the good. We are ever grateful uh, to be her parents and to be able to steward that time that she had here on earth and look forward to be reunited with her um, in glory because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Now, my wife. And I moved to Indianapolis, Indiana about six years ago to plant City of Lights Church. And we're going to be celebrating our five-year anniversary as a church this fall, of which we are incredibly excited and just grateful to be a part of this beautiful community that God's building in my hometown where I grew up and I have a deep heart for this city. So just know if you ever visit Indiana, you've got some every nation cousins here in Indiana. We'd love to see you and uh, host you if you happen to be down in this area. Now this morning, we want to go ahead and jump right into our text. We're going to be looking at Isaiah chapter 6 verses 1 through 8. So if you have your Bible with you, I want to encourage you go ahead and grab it. Here we go. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a high and lofty throne, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphim were standing above him. They each had six wings, with two they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies. His glory fills the whole earth. The foundations of the doorways shook at the sound of their voices, and the temple was filled with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips and live among a people of unclean lips, and because my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of Armies." Then one of the seraphim flew to me and in his hand was a glowing coal that he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, now that this has touched your lips, your iniquity is removed and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord asking, who should I send? Who will go for us? I said, here I am. Send me. I'm going to title this message this morning, The Great Reveal. Lord, I'm asking that you would help us. Lord, I'm thankful that you have made yourself known, that your heart for relationship was to make yourself known to your people. And not only that we would know you, but that we would show show forth your glory, that the your glory would cover the earth as the waters cover the seas. Lord, I pray that as we open up your word, that you would make yourself known to us and that you would fill us with compassion, with boldness, with zeal to make you known to all those that we come in contact with. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we live in a culture that loves to know And show. We just really do. And, and with the proliferation of smartphones and, and all the different apps, we do it constantly, whether it's on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or whatever apps are out there. Now, one of my favorite apps is the Yelp app. Now, you might not be able to tell because of the angle of the camera, but your boy likes to eat. In fact, that's one of the reasons I'm super excited to come and visit Toronto sometime because I've heard incredible things about all the incredible cuisine in Toronto and all the uh, international foods and all that. And I particularly love Yelp because I can go on to Yelp I can pull it up, pull up a restaurant, even just see what restaurants are in the area, and immediately I can get a review from someone who went to this restaurant, took pictures of a restaurant, ate the food, maybe tried an appetizer, tried an entree, the dessert course, and got to experience the many layers and flavors and 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 the whole shebang of this restaurant and then make it known to me so that by recognizing their review, hopefully a four or five star review, I can go and experience it for myself. And when I look at this encounter that Isaiah is having, here in chapter 6, I see a very similar thing unfolding. That God is revealing himself to Isaiah in a way that would not only change and transform him, but compel him to make God known to others. That truly is the heart of really a worship encounter in the first place. Before I planted a church six years ago, I was a worship arts pastor for over 16 years. And so much of my heart was to cultivate an environment where people could come in and encounter the living God. And one of the things that was so critical to that and is so important about worship, I know Pastor Bert and Ms. Sheila, they hold this to be true as well, is that true worship is not just about music. It's not just about your favorite song. It's not just about whether you like the beat or not. It is An overall encounter that reveals who God is, helps us to have right perspective about who we are, help us to be reminded of the good news, the grace that has been given to us, and then be compelled to go and let more people know about it. And so as we get going, I want to look at verse one, and we're going to see the first reveal coming out right out the gate. So it says in verse one, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated high and lofty. He was high and lofty on a throne. Now, one of the things that I thought was peculiar when I first read this was the fact that it said, in the year King Uzziah died. It seemed like quite a morbid beginning to this whole thing until you understand that there's a contrast that we see here. There's a contrast being presented between an earthly king and a king whose kingdom knows no end. I remember the first time I was unpacking this, and, and as I was wrestling with this verse, it was like the Holy Spirit nudged me and said, John, what kings in your life need to die before you can truly see me? It convicted me deeply. But I think about this, this encounter where God is drawing this, contract, this contrast, and the very first thing that we see revealed is that the greatness of God is revealed. God is a holy king. Our God is beyond compare. Christ is glorious. He's perfect in every way. There's nothing that even comes close to him in power, in purity, in beauty, in greatness, in justice, in love. Even as the great and mighty tremble and shake in his presence, at the sound of his voice, he still comes near to us. Now, it blows my mind that even as God chooses to make himself known as friend and father, that he also never ceases to be king, to be Lord, to be mighty, to be completely set apart, there is no darkness in him. And and I think that it can be very easy in a culture that tends to want to scoff at authority and just try to bring everyone on equal footing. We, we, We like to to act and walk and function as though, you know, uh, why should this person have this over me? Why should they have this over me? Why should they have this power? And we'd like to reduce Jesus to maybe even at best, our best friend with really special powers who helps us out when we need it. But we can never forget or lose sight that he is great as he is gracious that he is, I know this might be a kind of, it feels like a contrast, but he is terrible even as he is tender. He is powerful. I don't mean terrible in a bad sense, but there should be a healthy sense of awe in his greatness and his might. If if you needed some comparison to happen here, it lets us know that that it wasn't just Isaiah and God in this encounter, that there were actually the seraphim that were circling around the throne. Now, seraphim, they weren't just, you know, little fat babies. These were some very intense, peculiar looking uh, um, characters. They probably looked like something that was more out of a Guillermo del Toro movie or, or a dragon that you would see on House of Dragons, just these very, these uh, seraphim meant burning ones, these flaming beings, beings with wings and eyes and, and, and circling the throne. And, and any one of them would have terrified us. Any one of us would have probably seen one of these creatures and wanted to fall on our faces and worship them. But they are encircling the throne saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies The first reveal we see is the greatness of God was revealed. Now, there's a second reveal that we see coming very quickly. It says here, after we have this crazy encounter, it says that the foundation shook at the sound of their voices and the temple was filled with smoke. Verse five says, then I said, woe is me for I am ruined because I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. And because my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of armies. So the first thing that we see that was revealed was the greatness of God was revealed. But the second thing that was revealed is the gap from God. That there's this, this moment that in, in view of this holy and incredible and awesome king, that Isaiah recognizes that he's not king. He recognizes not only is he not king, but in light of a holy king, he is doomed. He's saying, I am good as dead. One of the most dangerous things for us is to not truly be able to recognize not only who God really is, but who we are apart from him and in light of him. I remember when I was uh, about 17 years old, and I was g- getting into music, and I was going to be in a band, and um, from an early age, my dad would always at our devotionals, he would say, have a say during our devotional time, what is our name, and what does our name mean? My full name is John Reginald Owens, and so my parents would say, your name means God given and kingly. Well, when I was trying to do this whole band thing, I just was trying to think of a creative nickname or a stage name because John just seemed too boring. I would just say, you know, people would say, are you Jonathan? I was like, no, it's just John, not even an H, just, just plain three letters, J-O-N. Well, I just didn't think John was a very cool stage name. So I decided to kind of take the king concept and went by the nickname KJ for a period, which basically meant King John, and it was this persona, and, and unfortunately, it was really a persona that was birthed out of insecurity, and it became something that just really fueled a pride. It was this, this confidence that was a false confidence in, in myself and my talent, and just, I operated kind of with this moniker for several years. And I'll never forget an encounter that I had with the Lord when I'd moved to Nashville. I'd started getting plugged in at Bethel World Outreach Center where Pastor Burt was on staff. And I'd had this incredible encounter in a worship moment where the Lord spoke to me. He said, John, what? He said, what is your name? And I kind of paused for a moment. and, And I remembered my dad doing that when we were little. And I said, John. John Reginald Owens, God-given and kingly. And what the Holy Spirit said to me in that moment, it says, John, you are kingly. You are like the king, but you are not the king. And one of the greatest revelations that we can ever have in life is not just who is the king, but that we are not it. We are not the king. We have to be willing to recognize the gap that there is between us and a holy king. The book of Romans shows us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And sometimes we can be so afraid to face the reality of our nastiness because it scares us. Because when we really recognize the gap, the separation between us and God, it can feel overwhelming. And because the enemy is an incredible co-signer, he can't create anything, but he always loves to distort and he loves to contort things to oppress us and to bring death. And so what he does is he'll take that gap and he'll turn it into condemnation. He'll turn it into shame. He'll rub your nose in it until it's so overwhelming that you can either do one of two things, either that that uh, worldly sorrow will bring you to death, or you will actually pretend that there's nothing wrong, that there is no gap that there is no sin. And so rather than actually acknowledge the sin and deal with it because it feels unbearable, we just dismiss it. Oh, it's not a sin. It's not a big deal. It's nothing that we need to repent of. That's actually not the way that we go, the route that we want to take at all. We actually can recognize the gap because God doesn't leave us there. And that's where the third reveal comes into play. It says here in verse six, then one of the seraphim flew to me and in his hand was a glowing coal that he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and he said, now that this has touched your lips, your iniquity is removed and your sin is atoned for. The third thing that's revealed is the grace of God is revealed. The greatness of God was revealed, the gap from God was revealed, and now we see in verse seven, or verse six rather, that this grace of God, this divine initiation of grace was enacted. We see that God took the initiation. There was an initiation of redemption and reconciliation. I love the fact that Isaiah in this moment of saying, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. He didn't just run out of the temple and get himself cleaned up and pray for some people and go through this whole act of ablutions. No, 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 no. He actually recognized there was nothing he could do. There There was nothing he could physically do that he could personally do to close the gap. I'm so thankful that Christ understood that there was nothing that we could do ourselves to close the gap of separation between a holy God and sinful man. There was, there, you couldn't save enough in a million years to pet this pay the sin debt that was owed because of our iniquity. There was no debt forgiveness. We're experiencing uh, that. Kind of topic in our context here in the United States. There was no, uh, loan or no loan amount that Biden could forgive that was great enough to forgive the debt. No, there was a debt and Jesus paid it all. There was a divine revelation of the grace of God that was revealed in this moment and this encounter. And that is why we don't want to ignore the gap. Because if we ignore and we make light the debt owed, we make light the grace required to redeem and restore us to fellowship. He didn't leave us in the gap. He met us with grace. He met Isaiah in that encounter to for, to, to not just make him feel shame and condemnation, but to bring him close, to bring him near, to bring him from the brink of what he believed was his doom. Now, this has been an incredible encounter so far as we're following along with Isaiah. But there's a peculiar thing that happens after this. The greatness of God revealed. The gap from God revealed. The grace of God revealed in bringing him into deeper relationship and fellowship and forgiveness of sin, sins being atoned for. There's a conversation that Isaiah overhears between the Godhead. It says here, then I heard the voice of the Lord asking, who should I send? Who will go for us? And I said, here I am. Send me. We come to the fourth reveal. The go is revealed. The greatness revealed. The gap revealed. The grace revealed. And now the go. Having been forgiven by a holy king, Isaiah is listening. And what he hears is he begins to hear God's heart for people. He's hearing the call of God for people. It's amazing when you actually begin to encounter and recognize the greatness of God, when you begin to have a right perspective of yourself and, and the fact that we are not God. And, and then now you experience the greatness and the grace of a holy and a loving and a sacrificial God that now through this closeness that he has initiated himself, we begin to hear his heart, his passion. I would submit to you that true worship, true encounters of worship, whether it's musical worship or otherwise, should always stir in us what matters to him. It should stir in our hearts a passion for the lost. It should stir in our hearts a passion for the broken. It should stir in our hearts that we would draw close to him and hear his heartbeat. And when you do, you hear that his heart beats for those whom he loves. And so in, l- in light of these different revelations, there is a response that Isaiah brings. And when I think about Yelp, and you go and you look at the app and I'm looking at good pictures and I'm looking at this review and I'm reading about this appetizer or that one, at some point after you've read it, you're not just reading it, hopefully most times, just so that you can occupy your time. You're, you're reading it because you're trying to decide where are you going to go. And so it demands a response. And in the same way, true worship is not just about a revelation of God, but it will demand a response. And that response is a posture of surrender and submission to this king. Isaiah, out of this incredible encounter, he's not sitting back. He's not just basking. He is leaning in to this conversation. And there's not a negotiation, but an immediate response of, here I am, send me. Biblical worship reveals and responds to the gospel. His response was complete surrender. Now, this surrender wasn't just some complacent state of nothingness. It wasn't a lazy surrender. It was an active response to the heart of God because we don't just go to go. We don't just do to do or to hopefully if we do something, God will love us or he'll forgive us. But we respond in response to his love and response to his forgiveness that he's already made known to us. Can I tell you that when Christ returns, All this and more. There will, all will be revealed. There will be no need for evangelism. There'll be no need to transform culture. He's going to come and he's going to make all things new. But until then, until that moment comes, there is a call for us to encounter him, to encounter his greatness, to encounter his grace, to encounter his holiness and splendor and be so transformed by it that we're compelled to make him known to those that are around us, that are hurting, that are desperate, that are in need of this great and mighty King whose authority and power and love and grace know no end. And so we want to respond and let it be known, not just to know, but to show the world that He is God, that He is great, that He is gracious, and that He is Good. A broken and helpless world is desperate, but will be transformed as we reflect and encounter this holy God and help others see who he is. So I want to ask you this morning, what do you see? What do you see of God? How have you encountered this Jesus for yourself? When you look upon him, is it just a, a religious caricature that you've grown familiar with, maybe through movies or or social media posts or just over-familiar religious concepts? When you see him, is it just kind of like the, the white Jesus with the flowing hair and the blue eyes and the, the sheep around his shoulders? Do you see the king? Do you see a God that is great and glorious and holy and set apart? When you view yourself in light of this king, what do you see? Have you allowed the Holy Spirit to help you, not shame you, not condemn you, but to help you see the distance, how far apart you are from God, but by his grace and mercy? Can I tell you that the closer and the longer that you walk with Jesus, the more in his mercy that he'll reveal those areas that don't look like him because he wants to make us look more and more and more like him. And So we've got to get really comfortable with recognizing the gap and then responding and receiving his grace that he continues to transform us, continues to mold us, continue. to to do the work in us so that now we can be empowered to go, to make him known. I believe that as we see who he is, as we allow his greatness to be revealed and all that that and more, that it will not just transform us, but that we will see the cities, the communities, the dorms, the campuses around us transformed as we are more confident in letting him be known. We should be more confident to tell people about the creator of the universe who is worthy of all five stars than we are to tell other people about a restaurant that cannot save their souls. Family, I love you. I'm so grateful to be able to encourage you, and I just want to pray this prayer over you today. Heavenly Father, in your love, in your kindness, would you make yourself known to us? Would you make yourself known to us afresh? Regardless of whether those that are watching this uh, have have never set foot in a church physically or whether they've been in church and were born under a pew. Lord, would you help us to see you for your glory and beauty, your power and your holiness. Lord, if, if we've thought too little of you, Lord, would you help us to think higher would you help us to tremble and, and, and be in all, not to be scared of you, to be, but to have a healthy fear of you. Lord, your word tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Lord, would you help us to recognize you, to see you in your grandness. Lord, would you give us the courage to recognize the, the, the death and the separation that comes from sin and the areas of sin in our own lives that you would invite us to turn from and to receive your grace. Lord, I'm thankful that there's not a sin, that there's not an issue, that there's not a trauma that you do not have good news for, that you do not have an answer for, that you do not have provision for. So Lord, would you help us to not only recognize the need, but to fully embrace the grace that you've made available for it. Lord, I pray that you would help us to not just be content with being greedy or hoarding your goodness. Lord, we will be compelled to share your compassion to others. Lord, that there would be a new fresh fire in the family at every nation GTA Lord, that there would be a new boldness. Lord, that's not just some manufactured confidence. It's not just some manufactured, uh, volume level, but it's actually a, a, a zeal and a passion and a love and a compassion that is stirred up as a result of being loved by you, being saved by you, being restored by you, and being compelled to help others experience that same love. We thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. Continue to help us to see you and to show you, be to let you be known to those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you, family. God bless. You've been listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. Thanks for joining us. For more information, visit our website at everynationgta.org.